the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, my name is Mayor Jolovitz, and I think it a privilege to sit in today for Seth Liebson. A word or two about myself. I've spent an entire life, certainly my adult life, involved in pro-Israel advocacy, having lectured extensively in the Middle East, all matters of Middle East affairs. My academic field of study encompassed two specific arenas, international relations and also political theory. As a footnote, the subject of my thesis many years ago, somewhat obscure at the time, four decades ago, seems quite relevant these days. The thesis was titled The Politics of Terror in the Middle East, a study of ideology, strategy, and tactics. Among the other positions or affiliations, I worked with special projects for a Jerusalem-based think tank, the Institute for Advanced Strategic and Political Studies, as well as having served as the National Executive Director of the ZOA, the Zionist Organization of America, which is the oldest pro-Israel Zionist organization in America. Today, I continue to be involved in pro-Israel advocacy, lecturing on several geopolitical and strategic affairs with a focus on issues that affect Israel and the United States. These days, I also co-host a radio show on the politics of the Middle East on this very, <laughs> this very radio station. St. Patriot Radio, it's a one-hour show featured on Sunday. From this very studio where I now sit, the program is Middle East Radio Forum. Middle East Radio Forum was established 19 years ago by attorney William Wolfe. It is with William Wolfe that I co-host on alternate weeks the broadcast. Spoiler alert, on Middle East Radio Forum, Forum, we unabashedly stand as pro-Israel. We support the good guys, and we expose the bad guys. If you're looking for moral relativism from this commentator, you're not going to find it. It was Alexander Solzhenitsyn, a dissident who spent years in Soviet labor camps, who described the conflict between the United States and the Soviet Union at the time, not as a collision between the West and the East, not as a fight between the haves and have-nots, but rather, he said, as a struggle between good and evil. Now, the Soviet Union is no more, but the conflict is everywhere. And that conflict is the same. It's a struggle between good and evil. And good isn't frequently winning enough. Sad? Quite sad. Tragic. We inhabit a world that has lost its determination to find meaning and purpose as part of our daily existence. We live in a world where the very concept of freedom is of little consequence and little concern, certainly to our youth. Take a quick look around. Freedom, the greatest of all goods, along with the pursuit of justice, is found wanting. Those of you old enough to remember this song done by Janis Joplin, as well as Chris Christopherson at another time, he had actually written the song. It pops to mind. The song was Me and Bobby McGee and includes this phrase. 
It's a great phrase. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Now, two generations ago, the amateur philosophers parsed that phrase. Freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose? They parsed the phrase, tried to understand its very meaning. And we give them credit. Today, where is the search anywhere for meaning? In a world where everything is available, on a tiny little keypad at our fingertips, we live at a time where the abundance of information literally permeates our very existence. Well, almost. Lost to all the background noise are the things that really do matter. And the most significant victim of all is the pursuit of truth. And so we offer you this, the words of the great philosopher, Elvis Presley. It was Elvis Presley who said, truth is like the sun. You can shut it out for a time, but it ain't going away. To which I add, thank God we have our Seth Leibson and his never-ending pursuit of the truth. Today, I do have the privilege of sitting in for Seth. Again, my name is Mayor Jolovitz, filling in for the great Seth Leibson. Now, things aren't always what they appear to be. I lecture quite a lot, and it's a point that I constantly make. Things aren't always what they appear to be. Now, many of you might be familiar with that popular PBS show, Antiques Roadshow. It's the show where common folk bring in all kinds of items they find in their basements or their attics with some cheap buy at a local flea market or a neighborhood yard sale. This eclectic collection of items, small and large, are then examined by an expert who's an authority on that particular genre of of antique. After analyzing the find, offering a history of providence of the item if it's possible, the expert assesses a value on the sixth on, on January of 2016 on Antiques Roadshow. Something very interesting happened. An expert, an expert, mind you, antiques appraiser was given a piece of pottery. The pottery was a glazed jug about 12 inches tall and decorated with six faces. The appraiser Stephen Fletcher dated the piece of pottery to the late 19th century. Quite excited stating that there was a little bit of Pablo Picasso going on in this pottery, he puts a retail value of between thirty dollars and $50,000 in the item. And he regroups and says, no, $50,000 is its value. After the show, in January of 2016, the appraiser was found to be spectacularly off the mark. This grotesque face jug, as it, was come, uh, as it came to be known, was not a century old. It was made by a high school ceramics class student in 1973. A woman watching the show recognized the ceramic pot as the work of her friend, Betsy Sewell, a horse trainer from Bend, Oregon, and she contacted the program. It was an embarrassing moment for the so-called expert. You see, things aren't always what they appear to be. The appraiser, Stephen Fletcher, chalked up the misunderstanding to what he called a learning experience. I've been lecturing about the Middle East for four decades now. And all the experts, truth be told, are so-called experts. You see, these (laughs) experts live in a world where they have not yet found their own learning experience. In the case, for example, of the Middle East, which I 
spend most of my time with, the Arab world has declared its intention to destroy the Jewish state for as long as Israel has existed. And the experts everywhere keep telling us that somehow peace is possible. It was a matter of artfully creating a workable peace agreement, they tell us, or just getting the right deal done. Now, with greater research, Fletcher, the pottery expert, might, in fact, have been able to catch his own mistake. But after 72, 73 years of research, all these observers of Middle East affairs, listening to the statements coming in, the bellicose statements coming in from the Arab world, these so-called foreign policy experts continue to be clueless. You see, things aren't always what they appear to be, except in the Middle East. When they aren't exactly what they appear to be, and they're not what we want them to be, reality is reality. There are those who call themselves optimists and others who call themselves pessimists. You need to ignore both. You've got to find that middle ground of the realist. And sometimes the truth is painfully true. Today we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about the truth in all its manifestations. Later on, at the beginning of the next hour and then the hour that follows, we're going to have two guests, two separate guests, two separate issues, issues which are topical to today's uh, news. Um, and in doing so, we're going to talk about language because language is important. Language, in fact, is so important that it defines, in every case, the narrative. And the narrative, I've always said, frames the discussion or the debate. And if we surrender the language, we might, in fact, lose that debate. Something that we never, ever, ever should take for granted. Language matters. On this show today, we're going to talk about language in its various manifest. Uh, in its various manifestations, and I will, as I often do, cite some quotes. Welcome back. Mayor Jolibut sitting in for Seth Leapson. Language, the truth, the gullible target. Let's state the obvious. Not every problem has a solution. Politicians lie. Often. Experts are often not. Let me repeat that experts are often not. The self-described progressives do little to, to contribute to progress. People who claim to have no hidden agenda usually do. Most organizations have the word peace as part of their name, do nothing to advance peace. Sometimes the word liberation, the word liberation can be euphemism for something very different, like tyranny. Too often the inclusion of the word democratic in a group or organization's name is a farcical lie. Sometimes a group title can have severely inherently fraudulent claims. For example, the PFLP, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. There's nothing popular in the political sense, nothing to do with liberation, and there is no Palestine, and yet we play their game. North Korea, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. The Democratic People's Republic Oh, the Korea part is right. Yeah, that part's right. Language matters. And we allow this bastardization of language to mislead the numb and the dumb. On my Instagram account, I have a tagline, a line which we've heard many times before. The only people mad at you for telling the truth 
are those living a lie. It's so true. Remember Louis Farrakhan and his Million Man March in October 1995 in Washington, D.C., on the National Mall? The original, the original estimates of those who attended this Million Man March was that the number was about 10% of what was advertised. The Farrakhan people objected. They cried racism. They cried religious intolerance, mathematical racism. So the National Park Service adjusted their numbers several times to something above 400,000. It was a lie. And that lie has now become a historical fact. In our political discussions, we often talk about sides, their side, our side. And yet when it comes down to turning words into deeds, it's, it seems that we are always the ones who surrender the narrative to them. It's the reason that the Republicans so often vote against their own best interests, just to quiet the noise, just to play nice. Let's impeach President Trump so the friction between Democrats and Republicans is lessened. As Churchill mockingly admonished us before, let's feed the crocodile so he might eat us last. We are to blame. Yes, we. Only one side brings the torches and pitchforks to these conflicts. And in the case of the United States, the Frankenstein that brings the torches to our cities, they're the ones who, crime, who claim justice, social justice, while they burn the towns. Three and a half years ago, three and a half years ago, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, relative unknown at the time, decided to offer her talents. She did that with her appearance on the 13th of July, 2018, on the PBS program Firing Line. The host of the program used to be, of course, William Buckley. It's now Margaret Hoover. Hoover is no Buckley. That's an understatement. In 2018, July, AOC, even before she was sworn into Congress, was making the headlines. Few took her seriously. I want to play in a minute a two-minute segment of something that she said about Israel in the Middle East. It exposed her utter stupidity, a truly ignorant person. Somehow she said that she was simply uh, excuse me, some people said that she was simply naive, while her defenders called her, well, inexperienced. I guess it was a learning process. So let's revisit that interview of a truly clueless woman who is now three and a half years more experienced. And remember, today she is the leading architect of the Democrats' platform, while the so-called Friends of Israel, those phonies like Senator Chuck Schumer, sit back and watch and listen as the squad vilifies Israel. Today... AOC offers herself as an expert in Middle East affairs, blaming Israel completely for the conflict. We, of course, know otherwise. Let's listen. Yes, but I also think that what people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that, to me, is just where I tend to mm -hmm. come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did oh. you mean by that? Oh, um, I think it, what I meant is like the, the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and, and places where, um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just, I, I am not the expert on geopolitics on this issue. You know, for me, 
I'm a firm believer in, uh, in finding a, a two-state solution in this issue. And um, I'm happy to sit down with leaders on both of this on both of these. For me, I just look at, at things through a human rights lens. And I may not use the right words. <laughs> I know this is a That's very, very honest. That's very honest, and you're going issue. to. I mean, it's it's very honest. And when you um, you know get to Washington and you're an elected member of Congress, you'll have the opportunity to and talk to people yeah. on all sides and visit Israel and Absolutely. visit the West Bank. And Absolutely. And I think that's that's one of those things that's important too is that. Um, you know, especially with the district that I that I represent, I come from the South Bronx. I come from a Puerto Rican background, and um, Middle Eastern politics is not exactly what's at my kitchen table every night. But I I also recognize that this is an intensely important issue uh, for people in my district, for Americans across the country, and I think what's at least important to communicate is that I'm willing to listen and that I'm willing to learn and evolve on this issue, like I think many Americans are. I'm not the expert on geopolitics on this issue, she says. No, she is not. But she is an anti-Semite, bigger than ever before. And the Democratic Party remains silent while it collects Jewish dollars and Jewish votes. And the Democratic political apparatus is afraid to blink. AOC, if you placed AOC today in a room, a small room, with our president, Joe Biden, with one door... They would need to form a committee to decide where that door is and how they might exit that small room. It's the truth. AOC, who wasn't sure how much vodka to put in a drink during her bartending days, is all of a sudden an expert in the Middle East. It is AOC who, along with her other squad members, are actually dictating in Washington what American foreign policy should look like. And the Democrats too often bend a shaken knee when she says what she says. Now, Frank Zappa, we all remember Frank Zappa. Frank Zappa was that crazy rock star. Long hair, distinguishable little uh, um, goatee. But nonetheless, he spoke about her. Here's what he said about AOC 40 years before he would have met her. He said, some scientists claim that hydrogen because it is so plentiful, is the, basis, is the basic building blocks of the universe. I dispute that. I say there's more stupidity than hydrogen, and that is the basic building block of the universe. So yes, indeed, Frank Zapper, many years ago, was describing AOC. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back. Mayor Jolibut sitting in for Seth Leibson. The truth is immutable. There is no my truth or your truth. A fact that most college kids would be shocked to find out. I repeat, there exists one truth. Yes, that's the truth. Now pay attention. We're being lied to. Always. By those who we've actually chosen to follow as our leaders, and we do it at great peril. That oft-quoted line, you've heard it before, we've met the enemy, and he is us. It was the creation of an American cartoonist, an animator, Walt Kelly, who passed away in 1973. Kelly was best known for his newspaper comic strip, Pogo. Those who are older in this audience will remember Pogo. Pogo the Possum. 
Now, going back to the late 1940s and early 1950s, this comic strip established a landmark because it actually dared to comment on political and social satire. Pogo, the possum, was even credited with attacking Senator Joseph McCarthy's communist witch hunt and the hearings that followed. The quote, we've met the enemy and he is us, was actually a parody of a message sent in 1813 from U.S. Navy Commodore Oliver Hazard Perry to Army General William Henry Harrison after the Battle of Lake Erie, again, 1813, in which he stated at the time, we've met the enemy and they are ours. That catchphrase first appeared in 1953, the catchphrase, we've met the enemy and he is us. The truism of that concept exists even today. The phrase, in its parody form, might have vanished, but Walt Kelly, the cartoonist, used the quote, we have met the enemy and he is us, on a poster on the first day of the first celebration of Earth Day in 1970. And then, again, during the Vietnam War. In 1972, the phrase became the title of a book, Pogo, We Have Met the Enemy and He Is Us. Today, the... Today, every time that a politician in Washington opens his or her mouth, we're reminded how true it is. John Kerry, Ramallah Harris, Tony Blinken, Robert Malley, Samantha Power, that old feeble man lost in the hallways of the White House, all with less common sense than a possum in a cartoon strip. Andrei Sakharov you remember the name Andrei Sakharov? Andrei Sakharov was a Russian nuclear physicist, a dissident, later a Nobel laureate, an activist for disarmament, for peace, and for human rights. Sakharov later became an advocate for civil liberties. What do you mean he became after? Well, why is Andrei Sakharov so well known to us? Because he was considered the father of the Soviet hydrogen bomb. Andrei Sakharov, the, the father of the Soviet hydrogen bomb, later all of a sudden becomes an advocate for civil liberties and civil reforms in the Soviet Union, where they were denied, and which he faced, of course, state persecution. Those efforts ne- earned him the Nobel Peace Prize in 1975. Here's what Andrei Sakharov said about the truth, because that's what we're talking about today. He said, I've always thought that the most powerful weapon in the world was the bomb, and that's why I gave it to my people. But I've come to the conclusion that the most powerful weapon in the world is not the bomb, but it's the truth. And it's time that someone here understood that. No politician, find a politician today, well, you might be lucky and find one or two on occasion, who actually speak about the things that matter, who speak about the fact that we live a life of purpose, that we politically, in the most fortunate country that has ever existed, actually are fighting to destroy the very things that our forefathers built. All of a sudden, the Constitution is, well, it's it's illegal. It's no longer relevant, is it? And that's because we have people today who aren't even able to understand what it portends, what their actions portend. And it's something that we need to be very, very concerned about. Dean Koontz. Well, you know what? It's, I'm going to tell you this when I come back. When I was, uh, when my kids were young 
and they asked me what I wanted for my birthday. Of course, they had no money. I would buy a copy of some, uh, quite often, books of quotations. I would wrap them up, and when my birthday came around, they would hand me books of quotations. How wonderful. When we come back from this commercial break, I'm going to give you a quote or two, which makes the point more relevant. We'll be right back. Hi, welcome back. Mayor Jolovitz sitting in for Seth Leibson. Thank you for joining us. I write a number of op-eds. They can be found. You can just Google it and just follow the, uh, the path. You'll find it. The focus of my writing is uh, almost always the uh, Middle East, uh, geostrategic, political, and everything that relates to Israel, the Middle East, and the fraudulent peace process. I wrote a piece a number of months ago, the title of Common Sense on Life Support. And the reality is, for those of you who are newsaholics, who turn on the television and watch the news, and you watch these people who are ostensibly representing us, you scratch your head in wonderment. How did we get here? It's because they lie, and because we believe the lies. Now, just to humor you for a second, we all know the biggest lies of all time, don't we? They're always ones that people have their favorites. Yeah, of course, the check is in the mail. I'll respect you in the morning. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help you. Uh, don't worry, it's only a cold sore. I'll get this one, and you'll... Uh, excuse me, <laughs> I did that backwards. You'll get this one, and I'll pay the next time. Okay, of course I love you. No, no, it's okay, I'm getting a divorce. Drinking? Why, no, officer. And, of course, Bill Clinton, I never inhaled. It's not the money, it's the principle of the thing. But we can still be friends, right? No, 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 honey, she means nothing to me. Don't worry, don't worry, I can go another 20 miles when the gauge says empty. I gave it the office. No, no, don't worry, he's never bitten anyone before. I'll call you later. Read my lips. No new taxes. I've never done anything like this before. Now I'm going to tell you the truth. It's supposed to make that noise. You take a left and you really can't miss it. And don't worry. It's okay. I'm sterile. Those are the truths that we've heard. And then you turn on your television, and as I said, my specialty is the Middle East. And I listen to these so-called experts telling us that peace is attainable between the villain and the victim, between those who want to murder and those who try to avoid being murdered. Peace is possible. And how is it possible? By just having the victim offer more concessions. Let's give them a... Let's, the two-state solution, let's give them a state of their own. Let's give them a state in the hopes that if they have their own state, they'll stop murdering our children. We're insane. I used to say that things aren't always what they seem to be, except for the Middle East. I'll give you an example. In 1967, there was a number one song, once again, the older among us might remember, there was a song, a hit song by the Cousels. The name of the song was The Rain, the Park, 
and other things. The Ray in the Park and other things. Produced by MGM, it called for special sound effects of raindrops falling in the background to be heard at the beginning of the song. Now, attempts to simulate the sound of this falling rain were unsuccessful until someone, a studio sound technician, like the handsome lad who's across the glass from me right now, until someone, a studio sound technician, came up with a solution, and he did it at home. The night before the record was to go into production, and there was no delay to be had, a brilliant, if not accidental, solution was found. The sound of rain was imitated almost exactly by the sound of some bacon sizzling on the kitchen grill. It was perfect. It was used to complete the song. Today, that sound is a memorable part of the hit, and everybody thinks it's rain. Things aren't always what they seem to be, but sometimes they are, especially in the Middle East. The Palestinians don't recognize Israel's right to exist. They tell us so. That's exactly what the situation is. We don't need to be lied to. But the worst part of lying is when we lie to ourselves. Let's talk about those who we trust to know more than we. I'm going to give you a couple of dates and I'm going to give you a couple of events. And you'll figure this out before I get to the end. A year in an event. 1941, Pearl Harbor attacks. 1953, Joseph Stalin's death succeeded by Khrushchev and his rise to power. 1956, the Soviet invasion of Hungary. 1961, the Bay of Pigs. 1967, Six-Day War. 1968, the Tet Offensive. 1968 again, the Soviet invasion of Czechoslovakia. 1973, the Yom Kippur War. 1979, the Iranian Revolution. And the same year, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. 1991, the collapse of the Soviet Union. 1998, the Indian nuclear test. Yes, I see someone in the back raising their hand. I think they've got it. 2001, the 9-11 attacks. And 2021, I think that's where we are now. 2021, the collapse of the Afghani government. What's the common denominator? The common denominator... Each event was a surprise event, unknown until it happened to U.S. intelligence. The U.S. intelligence apparatus and the remarkable things, I began with 1941 and I talked about 1953, 1956, and 1961 and 1967. At that time, we didn't have the mechanical, the electronic, the remarkable high-tech means of actually detecting things as or before they happen. The fact that Pearl Harbor was a surprise The pundits could argue as to why. But the fact, for example, to come to the last, that the collapse of the Afghani government had, that the government collapsed so quickly, and our leaders, the ones who said, trust us, are the ones who say, well, we got caught by surprise. We didn't realize that the Afghani army wasn't going to stand up and fight. We didn't realize that the, and so on. You heard the lies. You remember the lies. And Mark Milley, with his chest of medals, which made Idi Amin jealous. Mark Milley says, well, we were taken by surprise. We didn't know. Well, if you didn't know, why are we turning to you to be our expert? In fact, you're not even our so-called expert, are you? 
And that's the problem that we have. Now, look at the American government. I mentioned a couple of names earlier. I mentioned John Kerry. I mentioned Ramala, Ramala Harris. I mentioned Samantha Power, Robert Malley. These are people who, to go back to the Middle East, believe in the two-state solution. The two-state solution, which is in essence a reward to the terror movement for terrorism. That's what it comes down to. And they tell Israel, now, don't worry about Iran. We're watching to make sure that they don't build a bomb. We're watching. Hi, welcome back. Sitting in for Seth Leapson today, Mayor Jolovitz. A privilege. I would assume that most people with a functioning IQ and a pulse would agree that education is important. And yet we've seen what has happened to education. Certainly, we all witnessed what was going on in Virginia, a microcosm of the greater concern. There was a story that came out yesterday. Perhaps it was a little louder here in Arizona than it was elsewhere, but it was, in fact, mentioned in, uh, in international news. An Arizona school board president kept a secret dossier on parents opposed to critical race theory and against mask mandates. And this dossier that he kept was discovered after he accidentally sent a link to a mother, a private investigator who ran the background checks and also filmed parents. That's what the dossier. This Scottsdale school board president, Jean-Michael Greenberg, faces calls now to resign. He faces bizarre claims that he had access to online dossier about parents, online files containing personal information about families. Uh, included social security numbers, financial information, even divorce records. The district claimed that Greenberg, that his father was to blame for, for, for the problem. It came to light, of course, when he accidentally shared the link with a screenshot. Yeah, another uh, Carlos Danger, right? Okay. When we come back from the commercial breaks, we will have with us uh, someone, a very important guest, her name is Sherry Sapir. Sherry Sapir is running for the superintendent of public instruction in Arizona. Why does it matter? Because education matters, because our children matter, and what we are teaching our children or what they are teaching our children matters. And we don't like where it's been, and we certainly don't like where it's going. Now, while everyone talks about the fact that there's a dossier kept, the question that needs to be asked is, isn't just about the violation of our own personal rights, is what was the thinking that underscored this need for them to understand what we were up to? It's nefarious. It's nothing less. Our education system has to be corrected, and it'll be corrected if we get the right people in the right place. People need to understand that. That'll be the guest that we have when we come back from the commercial break. She'll be with us for a while. She's going to talk about the things that matter. She'll tell us why, in fact, she is a mother and a very successful business entrepreneur has decided that focus has to be placed where focus needs to be placed. She'll be joining us. We'll finish that hour, and then we'll come back with another subject which has been discussed. We're talking about the threat of impending riots in New York and other places, Black Lives matter. Anyhow, looking forward, when the commercial ends, we'll be back.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.